Dr. Harris, great to have you here. Glad to be here. You know, uh, we first met, I think, four years ago when we did our first visit here to the Cleveland Clinic, and I have become fascinated by this commitment that everybody here seems to have to the Cleveland Clinic way. So I know you're the latest author to come out with a book with your, your twist on it about patient care. I want to talk to you about that. But before we dig into that, I want to talk about you and who sure. you are and why you are doing what you're doing today. Sure. So I am a, a general internist here at the Cleveland Clinic, but I think it's more a question of where did I come from? And, and I have to tell you, I've always been associated with great institutions. So my educational background is at the University of Pennsylvania. And I started as an undergraduate, and at the end of my sophomore year, they had a program called the University Scholars Program. So you could sit down and write up a program that you thought required resources from across the university, and they evaluated the program, and if they thought it made sense, they would um, admit you into that. So I put together a program that combined information management and the practice of medicine many years ago. I was now. just going to say, in a time when that was very, very uncommon. Very uncommon. Very. And why? What it, was the instigation? So, so I always had a, a sense that both um, that system science was really going to be important to medicine, and thinking about quality and cost at the macro level. That was a great interest of mine, and I understood that computers were going to play a role in that process. And so Very that's the, thinking yeah. of you. So that's the program that I put together. And at that time, the best computing program in the university was in the business school. So I ended up getting a Wharton MBA, not because I wanted to do finance or accounting, but actually because I wanted to do operations management and information management. Did you get a joint degree or you I actually- I have a joint degree, so MD and MBA. Oh, yeah. wow. So two years of medical school, yeah. off to Wharton, back to medical school. Again, very forward thinking yeah. and, and not typical. I think more typical today, but not typical back, back then. Back then, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so um, how much of what you believed was gonna come true came true? So I think all of it at some level has come through. Now it's timing, timing, right, the timing right, right, was right, a little right. bit different. So you know you're going to be right, it's just about how long it that's takes. That's exactly yeah. right. So I was certain it would be, we would be good in about three years, and I would say it's been over the two decades, many of the things that I wrote in that paper uh, have come true. Now, sort of the magical piece, because I have to tell you, the internet wasn't the internet when I wrote that proposal. And so that was a sort of a magical piece of infrastructure that enabled uh, a lot of things that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Um, but from there, the, the idea that we would be using technology in the practice of medicine, which was absolutely foreign, uh, began to evolve. And so my first sort of research study uh, was focused on asthma in the emergency department. And so the only thing we had as a source of data was the billing system uh, in the emergency department to do the analysis. Nice structure, nice analysis, nice methods, everything. Uh, but when you looked at the results, it did, made no clinical sense whatsoever. And the reason was it was a billing system and not a system designed to actually describe care. And that's what really flipped me from ending up on the faculty um, and being an, uh, an academic to thinking, well, if you want to make this change, you have to go do something. Do the change. Do, do the, the change, change. that's yeah. right. Yeah. And so that moved me from uh, sort of the academic model to the, the line role and ended up being the first CIO at the University of Pennsylvania. At a time when there was no 
probably CIOs. There was. were there was I was the first. There weren't any before. Now there were others in the industry, but they were just starting, and they they had different um, roles and positions inside of the organization than they do now. And so. Um, your blend of how much time you spend doing everything. I know we didn't get to the how you got to the clinic yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, at the time when you were CIO there, was mm -hmm. there a blend of practice and 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 actually work that you needed to do to set the stage and lay the foundation? Yeah. Being the first CIO. Yeah, that's right. So it was really. I started out. I'd say about sixty forty. Which way? So, so forty percent still on the academic okay. side. So I had a practice in there, and I had a research responsibility. Uh, and then the 60% was, I, I didn't begin as the CIO, I became a, began as the Director of Ambulatory Information Systems. Again, uh, probably the first one. The very first one. <laughs> and I'm starting to see this trend, <laughs> Dr. Harris, of what you create. Yeah. And there's no fit for you exactly, so they create these roles that then get defined, quite frankly, by your, your vision and what you believe needs to happen. And, and that's why I say I've always been associated with great institutions, because I was at an institution that, from an educational point of view, supported that kind of thinking, and then ultimately in a place where I could actually have it play out. Okay, and then so how long were you there and how did you get here? So I, ended, I was stayed there for about a decade, so I went from becoming uh, the director of ambulatory systems to becoming the first, I think they called it associate vice president and chief information officer. That was for what was then the medical school and the practice plan uh, together. And then that was right at the beginning of the integrated delivery system. So all of the large health systems started acquiring practices and integrating them. And I spent a lot of time implementing registration and scheduling and billing system in practices all the way across southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, did that for three or four years. Wanted to turn my attention back to the clinical side of the house because I kind of got distracted from that. And there was clearly a business need to keep doing that. Oh, I was running out of time, and I ended up being called by the CEO of the Cleveland Clinic then, who was Fred Loop. Uh, and after some conversation, it was clear we wanted to get started on the clinical side of the agenda, and that's what brought me to Cleveland. SCIO? SCIO. SCIO, okay. And so, of course, not just satisfied with being just CIO. <laughs> it sounds like you also created a number of things here that you write about in your book, and, yes. and I want to dig into that in a few minutes, but tell me about your journey here at the clinic yeah. so, so from when you got here till, till today. today. Very early on, we created what I call the strategic roadmap, and we called that eCleveland Clinic. And it envisioned uh, a day when patients, doctors, nurses, all the caregivers would be using a shared tool. And then we began down that road. Now we started in a very unusual place. We, we actually began by doing more registration and scheduling, so we had to replace that here uh, because we couldn't get there from where we were. Yeah. Um, while we were doing that, one of the earliest systems we did was an online second opinion program, uh, which is not uh, where you might think you would start. Uh, but Given the Cleveland Clinic and the clinical expertise we had here and the number of people reaching out, trying to get those opinions by fax machine and then growing email and telephone, we knew that people we could... People a fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we knew that we could drive something that was 
um, clearly much more representative of where we were going and the internet was coming into mm -hmm. view. Uh, so that was one of the earliest programs that we did and then that was followed very quickly by the full rollout of the electronic medical record. Uh, and then th we attached the second opinion program to the electronic medical record. So whether you ever came to the Cleveland Clinic or not, you received a Cleveland Clinic medical record number and you would be a patient um, whether you physically arrived. So very forward thinking and um, there's a thesis behind this book and there's, there's, this is the fifth Cleveland mm -hmm. Clinic Way book. Um, I want to ask what's different about this one and what your thesis is because I think the title says a lot obviously yeah. with it's all about patient care. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear a little bit about as you were being thoughtful on how you package your wisdom and present your wisdom in a useful way, what, sure. you know, what led to this? So I think the one thing that is common across all the books is really this idea of patients first. And so I, I think if you look at the overall leadership team, you will see that we are singularly focused on that idea and then we bring our particular expertise to make it work. From my perspective, this book and the core thesis of it is it's about patient service, not about the technology. The technology is necessary in order to bring that service alive. And then the second thing, it's about the connection between patients, I would now say and consumers, and the caregivers who provide the service going forward. That that, that was always at the heart of this and it, it's the thesis of this book to say, think about what you're doing, don't think about the technology. And then if you're doing that, the technology will become evident mm -hmm. uh, to you. So that's really the core. And what do you hope someone reads? So there's, my guess is there's different types of people who are going to be picking up the book. There's clinicians who want to understand more of how to think about innovation, how to think about transformation. I think you have a great roadmap in here. Mm -hmm. I also think there's people, entrepreneurs in particular, who want to figure out how to get inside Dr. Harris's head and the heads of other executives in organizations where, quite frankly, there is an incredible need to be very thorough in figuring out how to navigate and bring things to the organization that are going to make a difference. So tell me about a couple of the different use sure. cases for the book that you saw as sure. how you see how so, it's used. So one of the things I'm really hoping is that one, if you're coming at it from a patient's perspective, it will help reset your expectation about what care actually means. And so it will suspend the built-in model today which says if I'm going to receive care, I have to go to it. And for a patient, I think we need to keep driving the expectation that care can be delivered in the right place by the right person at the right time if we can manage the information properly. So that's a total redefinition and our patients have been very active in that process. So in here you'll hear a story about the use of the online portal that we call MyChart. Uh, so this is giving patients access to their information mm -hmm. quite directly. And I can tell you, when we first brought that system online, the local news station um, caught the story. Uh, and I went on television, did a little interview, and then I literally had to turn my phone off for a week or two. Rock because star. No, no, the other way around. <laughs> oh. Literally patients were calling saying, this is the worst idea, putting this on the internet is the worst idea I've ever heard. Don't do it. 
That lasted for about two years. And then all of a sudden patients were, you know, we're kind of good with this yeah. idea. It's and like credit cards in, it, in the 90s with buying stuff. I remember yep. in the 90s when I started my first company, people were like, no one's ever going to buy online and give you a credit card. That's right. right. So it was that kind of thing. And now if you look at it, our patients are way in front of I was of just going to say, now you'd be the rock star for the, you people saying that the, when I go to Cleveland Clinic, this is how I get This is idea. the way it works. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And more and more and more, the expectation is literally everything should be available. Okay. So what about the entrepreneur? So now for the entrepreneur, what I would say is that I think this is a golden opportunity to, to understand how a large enterprise, not just the, the Cleveland Clinic thinks, and how to think about bringing the value of what you're doing into the organization in a way that it can be consumed. Okay, which so, chapter? So, that? so I yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I all joking aside, right? Entrepreneur, no. How do I do it? Yeah. Tell me, not, not not a shortcut, but just tell me what I need to do yeah. in order to properly bring something here for consideration, and I think I can add value. Yeah. And they really just want to they want a roadmap. Yeah. So I would say, if you look at the equation in this book, the big equation is the value equation, yep. and you need to arrive with that at the top of your list, not not the product that you're bringing but the value that you can bring to the organization, that's one. The second is- Let me ask you about that though. So everyone has a value prop, right? Mm -hmm. What makes your equation different or how do you, why don't you say, tell us a formula? Sure. Because I think that's, I, I, I was looking at it thinking to myself, my, some people might dismiss it as my value prop. What mm -hmm. makes yours different and how do you- Yeah, it? I'm not sure that it is different. And, and all I'm saying is clarity goes a long way. And so being explicit about what you mean by value helps to drive the cycle of change. Uh, the, the vaguer right. the, the goal, the longer the right. cycle. Which is what we were talking about before. Everyone says the same two sentences right. when they first describe their company. So yeah. you've got to dig deeper. You've got to dig deeper than that. And so how does that then play out? So I think for most people, they if it truly is a value play, Odds are you're not talking to one person. So a company that comes in and tries to sell to the CIO or sell only to the COO probably doesn't, doesn't have the value proposition well formulated in right, their mind. Which includes the customer and who actually Absolutely. buys it, benefits from it, uses it. Yeah. So you need to start with that entire cycle and be able to demonstrate that to a large provider like this because we do care getting back to patients first we care about the difference it makes for our patients we care about the difference it makes for our caregivers uh, and then we care about the value that it actually right. drives so you want you want to be spoon-fed the information just like they want to be spoon-fed the information. Tell me what I need to know that's right. that matters to me. That's Otherwise, it's a waste of that's exactly right. Time. Okay, so so that's, so that's kinda, the first one. That's that's yeah. sort of first. That, okay. that that to me gets you through the door in a way that is different than a cold call can mm -hmm. get you through the door. Now, the second thing to me is then there has to be engagement right up front because whatever you have, there are a few exceptions it's going to attach to something that already exists inside of the healthcare system. So how system. does it fit in the workflow? So how workflow, 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 and the ability to make that actually happen in a way that produces a round wheel and not a square wheel is incredibly important. Let me ask you a question. When you think about um, the entrepreneur who comes in the wrong way, um, yet you need to tease out of them their value prop or you need to tease out of them what you're looking for. Um, 
how often do you guys participate, co-develop, co, you know, co, co, collaborate mm -hmm. on what they're doing versus bringing the ready-made solution to you? Yeah, so that that's a great question. So the first thing I would say, if we go back to, if you think about who the buyer is in the organization and you convene the right group of people, the outcome from that process is likely to be what you just described, which is an engagement process, which means we see the idea, we get the value, we know it's not going to work perfectly, but we're willing to work with you. And the reason for that is that most healthcare delivery organizations are not software development organizations, and if they recognize that, they see an opportunity to partner with a company that can bring real value. So for example, we a long time ago had a, a product developed inside of the IT division uh, that was called eResearch. It was a classic idea, purpose built, supporting our researchers who do you know, $100 million or so of NIH-sponsored research. And what they wanted was a tool that would allow them to essentially do a feasibility analysis for a study design. So rather than writing up a proposal to the NIH and say, I believe, they could write up a proposal and say, I performed this simulation using the data from the EMR at the Cleveland Clinic. Here's the inclusion criteria, here's the exclusion criteria, and it led us to this recruitable population. It made it, all friction it made it frictionless for them, and it gave them the reason to believe that if they actually carried out that study at the Cleveland Clinic, that they would actually be able to recruit the patients, which is the number one failure for a research study, mm -hmm. is that you don't recruit enough patients, so therefore you can't draw a conclusion. So we did that work, and then we realized that we had an idea that was bigger than we could deal with. An entrepreneur came in at that time who was looking to drive some value in the organization, had a general idea of what they wanted to do, uh, didn't have any technology, and saw this tool. So they presented a concept, we had a tool, at the end of the day, they um, acquired the right to use that tool, and they built that into a product that we now use. We did not guide that path. They were able to do that. But what they had was a purpose um, that, uh, that was important to the Cleveland Clinic, and they were able to morph that several mm -hmm. times into area, other areas that right. were important. So they were entrepreneurs, yes. and they had an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you love to see your external engagement look like with entrepreneurs, with startups? I mean, you described a couple of really success <laughs> scenarios, but I'm sure there's plenty of ones that didn't work. Um, wave a magic wand, what would be the ideal setup for you? And I'll, let's take about five years so we don't look at like yeah. the next year or two. Like, yeah. What would this look like to you? So, so here's what I imagine is going to happen, and that is that I come back to core healthcare organizations responsible for delivering care to patients like the Cleveland Clinic are not going to be able to be principal developers of solutions going forward. So the first thing that I would say is I'm looking for a partner who gets the solution idea. And we've talked about this earlier, that bringing me a piece of technology is becoming less and less interesting. 
bringing me a solution that I can describe with my colleagues is becoming far more important and bringing me a solution that is meaningful to the patients and consumers is of the highest value and caregivers mm -hmm. is of the highest value to me. So the interaction I'm imagining going forward is one because of books like this, I think people will have a better sense for what's actually going on inside of a healthcare organization. I think you can make some basic assumptions about how it works. Is there an EMR in every hospital you're about to go into? Yes, there is. Is there a workflow that's built around that EMR? Yes, there is. So why would you enter and assume that there isn't? You should begin with the understanding that it must be going around like this. Now here's how I'm going to add incremental value mm -hmm. to that workflow. Even better, here's how I'm fundamentally going to blow it up. Now, if you're gonna fundamentally change that workflow, then your idea has to be crystal clear. If you're gonna augment the workflow that already exists, you have a little more leeway. What is the biggest misconception by entrepreneurs and startups about how you just, you know, what you just described. Misconception, what do you see keep being, you know, the wrong, being done wrong? So I, I would still come back to it is workflow. That their biggest misconception is that whatever we're doing will be built around the tool that they're bringing. And what they need to understand is that their tool needs to enable the workflow that currently exists or help us modify the workflow that currently exists so that we can do something differently. Um, many times I see a beautiful, I mean, I've seen beautiful product designs that have no hope of being actually integrated into an operating organization. You tell them? You tell, tell them, them right away. You do? Yeah, we do. Good communicator? And so, so you feel like you're doing a good job communicating that? You've got to make that right up front, yeah. make it clear, and be clear about why it doesn't work. Now, I think the flip side is we also now need to be open to new ideas and be willing to do that work. But if someone comes with the idea that they understand your workflow and they're trying to insert into it or alter it in a way, that's engaging. If you come with the idea that you will work around my mm -hmm. model that I've never even seen before, that's disengaged. So I asked, uh, I asked Dr. Cosgrove this morning on stage about what you would tell young physicians just graduating school and coming into you know, the industry and whether it's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, thinking it's one way or another, what, what, do, you, what yeah. do you tell that, you know, just graduating or just visiting, finishing residency physician? And I would tell them they have great timing that when I think about the world that I entered coming out of medical school and the world they're entering, entering, they have the opportunity to make impactful difference in healthcare uh, and to do it with novel ideas that they have had formal educational training and clinical experience to identify, um, to be able to describe and to be part of driving the change. What's great about their timing is that they don't have to get over the belief that there will be an internet. They don't have to get over. You're like, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. That, that there is consumerism. Right, exactly, right. Exactly. They yeah. don't have to, they need to accept that, embrace that, and drive the change because their timing is wonderful. 
Excellent. That's very optimistic yeah. uh, v view of the future of medicine and, and in particular um, healthcare professionals. Um, let's shift gears as we wrap up, and I want to talk about who you are a little bit on the personal side. Um, what else do you do besides practice and besides probably geek out on technology, yeah. is my yeah. guess, and yeah. you know, spend probably plenty of time researching and playing with technology. But what yeah. else yeah. interests you? Yeah, so, you know, I, I one, I love to travel, and I, I love to engage with people outside of any professional setting. So I, I've had the, the wonderful experience, and this actually goes back to my um, college days, but one of the things that they would do during college is simply send you to another country and put you up with a different family. So I've gone all over the world with very little connection to people and been invited into their homes, made friends. So you uh, love Airbnb? I, I love it. I, I, I think that idea is fabulous. I, I think it do causes you. Do you stay at Airbnb? So we usually do. You're like, you're like the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at home away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, we, yeah. but I love that personal connection. I think the human connection is one of the most powerful You'd rather things. do that than stay at a hotel. Absolutely. And, and, and do that. It's interesting. Yeah. It just, it causes you to think about places and people in a completely different way so so that's kind of the you know human connection yeah. if you will then I I'm a big sort of health and wellness person so I I try and work into my day all those things that generally speaking uh, should be good things to do so activities of daily living are really important if you think about just range of motion um, if as you age, you've kept your range of motion, the likelihood that you're going to fall and break a leg and develop pneumonia and have all those complications drops dramatically. So my goal is to be as healthy as I can and sort of contribute to the economy, if you will, um, because I'm not consuming a lot of health care. Good. Uh, so you like, you like our longevity moonshot today. We love adding it. 50 plus years. Absolutely. Fa fantastic. And what's your favorite app on your phone, not work-related? Um, so it is the Pacer app, um, which is really sort of a act, general activities app. So it does heart rate, it does pedometer, it does those kinds of things. Big fan of those kinds of things? I am. I, I did like one of the ideas at the uh, event today, which really, if, if you looked at it, it was more in the nutrition space. Mm -hmm. What I liked about it is it took the work out of the process. And I, I think that's dramatically right. important. Remove, remove that friction. If you remove yeah. that friction, you will see adoption go up dramatically. Okay. Last question. One word to describe Martin Harris. Optimistic. Love it. Sure. Thanks so much okay. for being on, being on the show. Great. Thank okay. you. Thanks. It was great.